This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of law. Comic Tropes, Chris, thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Sal. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Do you, do you want to do your customary intro? Do you want to say the, the thing oh, that you hi. said? You've got me being on Sal's show. Speaking <laughs> of being on the show, I'm on the show. Oh, I didn't see you there. What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, hi. You caught me on a on a live stream. Oh, it's, it's streaming live. It's happening, yeah. man. Um, listen, I am so lucky to have you here, uh, and, and yes. I would be, and it would yes, be, rem- yes, <laughs> and I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to the at-home Comic-Con, which is coming up this Saturday, because that's the thing that got us talking to each other. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, pretty excited for that. Um, we might as well, like, sort of plug it right up front that this Saturday, the 18th, we and about 20 Great YouTube uh, comic book related channels are all yep. going to be hosting various panels throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure like in the description or something, maybe you can have like a link to the at home Comic Con uh, YouTube and Twitter. But that's yeah, it. so that, that, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It's a very ambitious thing. It's a it's a thing that I think yeah. a lot of people had the idea for, like when the COVID nineteen thing hit, like initially, and yeah. then but it took it took somebody to actually do it because I literally I remember like I remember Scott Snyder tweeting about it and he was like, oh, we should do an, uh, a con, and I was like, hey, if you really want to do it, we should work something out. And he's like, oh no, I mean, I just think somebody else should do it. And I'm yeah. like, right on. And then uh, I think Matt and Owen hooked us up and they were like, we should do this. And I'm like, if you guys want to do it, that's great. Here's some ideas. Go do it. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I just want to come. Owen likes comics. Comic Drake. The, uh, those three guys like really did the bulk of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Although <laughs> I shouldn't say that until like it, it's actually it happens. Aired, things fall apart. It sounds like I just threw them under the bus. Exactly. No, like, like, they've at least put us all in, in touch. It's up yeah. to us to take it from here. It's true. And it looks like it's pretty it's pretty turnkey. Thankfully, we're involving people who are online for a living anyway, so everybody knows how to handle the mechanics. I think uh, so. so it should be a lot of fun. You're going to see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of unfamiliar faces. You're going to yeah. see a lot of collaboration. It's going to be something to... It's unprecedented, I think. I, I can't think of anything quite like it. I really can't. No. Um, so it's pretty exciting, I think. Uh, you yeah. know, free entertainment for all of you. Uh, hopefully that like helps everybody's stuck in the house or, you know, maybe you are some sort of essential employee and, and in which case, like, thank you. And like, hopefully you can enjoy this, you know, at your leisure, yeah. uh, during some downtime. And then, um, we are of course going to try to, uh, raise some money for, for charity. Um, hashtag hope from home. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great cause. I'm very excited about it. I'm, I've been looking for something to kind of like, help promote in terms of something good that helps the industry in some good way. And uh, this looks like a great plan. So I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, about I it. think so. I think so. I'm definitely excited too, but it's fun to be here. Yeah. And it, well, it's great to have you, man. Uh, so we're going to be talking about unfinished comic runs, which is a concept that's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Chris, your topic loved it. It's so in keeping with this show and with, with this show's kind of topic list. So I'm thrilled to do it. But before yeah. we do, 
We've got a couple of house cleaning things. First of all, we want to say uh, thank you very much to everybody who's watching. Uh, if you are going to uh, use Super Chat, you uh, are a sponsor of today's show. Guess you didn't know that. But hey, uh, if you want to support this channel and keep us alive, uh, Super Chats are great. We'll answer them on the, on the show and uh, we'll see what we can do from here. Uh, for example, uh, Cam Senses says, oh, hi, you caught me crossing over with Comic Pop. Speaking of things we all want, let's talk about unfinished runs that we all want to see finished. <laughs> nice. There you go. Classic you opening. Go. Very nice. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, unfinished comic runs. But before we do, uh, Chris, you've been going to New York Comic Con. I feel like we must have stood in the same insane line on that fateful day, the first New York Comic Con when they opened up. And Probably. I, I think nobody expected it, least of all the fire marshal, to be exactly. as popular as it was. Um, exactly. If you have a little bit of a story about it, I, I just, I'm... I, well, and I, I know you do too, but yeah. we decided that we'd surprise each other with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been going to the New York Comic Con uh, since the first one. And um, part of why I go is one of my best friends lives in New York. And so for that first one, he was like, I'll, I'll get the tickets. Don't worry about it. Cool. I had no reason to think that would be any big deal. It, it, the first one wasn't even nearly as big as it is now. It was just no. the lower level of the Javits Center. It yep. wasn't the whole Javits Center. Nope. Um, you know, it's still a big size. Definitely still. It was, a big but size. even the main floor was just one of the big rooms. It wasn't even it wasn't like it was the whole area. It was just like you, you could close the doors to New York Comic Con downstairs. It was yeah. nuts. Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't too crazy. And um, but I get there and he's like Oh, I haven't bought them yet. I figured we could buy them at the door. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that one, Evan. Like, I'm pretty sure that this is big enough that we should have already gotten the tickets. But we might as well go over there and see what can happen. And we get there. And like you said, there was a huge line that first year. And um, the fire marshal had said, you guys are at capacity. I mean, I think that's what like showed that there was an, a market for the type of convention that Reed Pop was putting on. And um, totally. But yeah, so like, okay, so they're not selling any more tickets. I was like, well, I still want to get in. I decided to be sneaky, sneaky, and I, um, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to do a weird flex here, but I've got several friends that are professionals, and and, and I knew that they were already in there as exhibitors, right? And so I start making phone calls, and I get a hold of my friend Jason, and I'm like, uh, could you come out with like some of your friends' badges? Like, I'll put them around my neck just to get in, and yeah. then I'll give it back. And he's like, man, I guess I can do that. So, yeah, like, my friend Evan and his uh, wife and my fiance Chrissy and I, like, the four of us, uh, like, wait, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This was before I met Chrissy, now that I'm thinking of it. It was just the three of us. Oh, um, so we, we all put on somebody else's badges <laughs> to get in. And that was shoulder to shoulder. That was oh, yeah. definitely, like, it's always an intense convention. But that first year, you know, like they were at capacity and technically, obviously, over capacity. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and, and if you think that you guys were the only ones swapping badges and stuffing people in, getting them through the green room door, like, no, I know no way. You, you Like the fire marshal recognized, like, no, we, we were at capacity six hours ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you can't do that now because these days you have to like swipe your badge in and out. So yep. like you couldn't. I, it, it just wouldn't work. You couldn't like swipe the same badge to get somebody else in. It, it, right. it doesn't work anymore. But the first year, that was the only year we didn't get like the tickets, but we did get in. Yeah. Nice. Um, I feel felt? like, I feel like we must've gotten them at the door because 
I never bought, like I didn't buy them online. My, uh, I also, I'm from Jersey. My uh, would-be fiance and then wife, Tiffany and I went to the city to meet up with our friend who lived in the city. And uh, he met us there and he's like, all right, let's go. And we get to the Javits and like the line is, it's out the door, it's around the block. And we're like, yeah. uh-oh, uh, this is nuts. Go in. They, and I don't remember how we got tickets, but we definitely did. Like that part is hazy about getting tickets, but we did get in. You know what it was? We went really early and we got in, we hit the show, we get to the floor, we do our thing and uh, I'm having a blast. I'm seeing creative. And they're like right there, all these people that I've known forever, all these names that it, like, because this is the first big New York show in forever. Yeah. The rest of the time it's it's just church basements and, and you know, yeah. like rec centers. Like it, yeah. this is like one of the first like major cons that isn't on, on the other coast. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, it's become basically as big oh yeah so. it's synonymous with with san diego in fact some some creators prefer it now because they'd rather not deal with it because the the rents are more reasonable the ability to get there is easier like it's just it's, it, it's less of a hassle for a lot of people it's really cool um so we go to the show we have a good we, we have a good time but my friend who lived in the city doesn't really care for comics like he's not a comic fan he's just there because he likes spectacle right. and uh so he's like all right well let's get the hell out of here we'll go get lunch we'll come back in because we, because we've been in already, and we have these wristbands. Okay, gotcha. So we go out. We hit up a, a what will be our staple for lunch at New York Comic Con, which is a little uh, Italian deli that yeah. was owned by two brothers who split, and then both both opened different Italian delis right next to each other. They split the restaurant <laughs> in half, and then one went out of business, and the other one stayed and took over the rest of the other half over time. But the point is, so we have lunch, and then we're like, all right, let's go back in. So we go back in and we're like, okay, this is the line just for tickets was the main line. So we yep. go all the way past the main line, go all the way. And the line is going from around the block. Like it was like four or five hours ago down the stairs through, like through the door, down the stairs into the cellar of the, of the Javits down the hallway up to the doors. And that's where there are bouncers and like, or, or at least people who are there to keep people from getting in. And they right. go, yeah, no, no, no. This isn't the line for tickets. This is a line to get back into the show. To get back in, to get in, to buy tickets is all one line because we're at capacity. Oh, so, wow. So you're just not going to get back in. Yeah. And so we're like, we're talking with people and, uh, and, and we're making friends in the line, in the front of the line, because they're like, what we're doing is right now is if you're at the front of the line, we're just waiting for your amount of people to leave. And then we let that amount of people back in. So we're hanging around, we're talking, and there's this big oh. pool of people at the at the at the the front of the doors. We're all just kind of milling around, chatting, and uh, and one of the main first people at the front door is this huge dude, and he is he is just he's massive. He's a he's a big comic book fan, but he's just like he, he looks like you know like like Michael Clark Duncan. He's just a massive dude who's just like I love comics. What can I say? And we're all chatting up. We're having a good time. Yeah. And uh, and then the and then somebody comes in. And says, what is this? What is this like this, this this pool of people? You have to get in line. So he just pushes everyone. And the big dude looks at us and he go and he just like steps back and goes, like, get in. So we all cut the line of like a thousand people. And then okay. and then they were like, so now we went from the front of the line or the back of the line outside to the front of the line at the doors just because we're, and we were like, okay, we're not getting in. We're just going to stay here and hang out. Maybe we'll see what happens. And then the yeah. dude like lets us cut the line. So we cut the whole entire line. And then he just goes, 
okay, we're, you know, six people left, six people in. And then we just walk back in and we're like, okay, that's, that's how we got back into the show. That's awesome. Just inside, yeah, it, was, like, it was definitely uh, a wild, wild that first year. It was the wild west of a comic convention that first year. Oh yeah. No, that show um, was, that, that show was, was very wild. Like, you know, I mean, the fact is, the amount of access you had to creators, the amount of access you had to the show, the fact that like nobody was checking anything, like you, you, you know, badges, wristbands. No, that we got in the line to meet Kevin Smith during that show. Okay, and the there was a ticketed event. The tickets were post-it notes with numbers written on them. Yeah. So I don't know how many like forty-sevens there were, but there must have been at least like ten. Yeah, but uh, it, it was just like. No one had any plan. They were just like, "I want to open. I want to. I want to throw a show in New York and have it and be it. And it's in the Javits. It's 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 amazing. Well, I just don't think that they anticipated quite the uh, yeah the demand for it. Like, uh, but it's it's an it's a it's a good show. Like, yeah. I I like a lot of different types of shows. As far yeah. as a big show, I do like that one for the spectacle. Totally. For the spectacle. Yeah. Do you uh you ever go to Baltimore? I used to when I I, I uh, used to live in D.C. for 10 years. So I would go to the Baltimore uh, Comic-Con every year. Um, I think I even now that I'm thinking of it, I, I tabled at it once or twice, no just kidding. like you know, like self-published comics and stuff. Yeah. Um, and my favorite one in that area was SPX, the Small Press Expo. Mm. That was a really cool one where you find like, you know, cool indie stuff. I mean, you're meeting like Harvey Picard or Ed Piscor. You're meeting like the guys from Fantagraphics, Craig Thompson from Blankets. Frank Miller would be there, sure. Paul Pope. So like, and and you really get to like talk to them. Like yes. they weren't just there and like signing something. You you'd get to really have a conversation for quite a while. Like it was, it, I, I love that convention. Yeah, I, I've got. I've I've never been to SPX, but it's special. With, it's something cool. Special. Uh, for that reason, I dug Baltimore. It's gotten bigger over the years. Yeah, um, very big. big. But the access is still there, just to a limited capacity because of the amount of people who have started to go. But as yep. far as uh, word of mouth is that, like, the biggest names in the industry are like, oh, cool, a show where I won't, like, have a panic attack. Yeah, I'd like to go to that. And they go to that one, you know. And, First and convention I remember ever going to also, like, had a big line. You, you just, like, provoked a memory. Uh, yeah. I grew up in Boston or like near Boston and um, I went there. Like, I mean, I was probably only like 12 or 13 and I went to um, it was held in like, you know, like uh, the mezzanine level of a hotel. I can't remember which. Yes. which hotel. Okay. <laughs> um, Todd McFarlane had just released Spider-Man number one. Oh, and so I was really excited. Like at that point in time, like, you know, I mean, yeah. everybody was excited by Todd at, at that point in time. And, um, as I say, first convention, I'm there with a with a friend. We see the line to get something signed by Todd, and we get in line. And it took, like, hours. Yeah. But we we get there, and we're, like, six away from getting uh, a book signed by him. And uh, there's, like, sort of, like, a, a person, like, organizing it or something like that. And uh, they step up, and they're like, hey, um, Todd's about to do a panel, so we're going to, like, sort of end the line like you know and they point like like three people behind us okay yeah and, and oh thank goodness he'll sign like these this many more then he'll do the panel we get up there and he's like ticket we're like oh, no. what ticket like they're like oh you you had to get a, a a ticket i'm like how much are the tickets they're like oh they were free 
but, but you have to have were... it. And I'm like, I, I didn't know that. I've been in the line for hours. I'm like, you know, a little kid, like a, a teen or a preteen. Yeah. And he was like, no. Oh my <laughs> I was, God. I was what? devastated. I was he's devastated. Been, he's been doing those tickets since then because literally like we had the same exact experience a year ago. Oh, really? <laughs> We're he in the line. I get like... it. I get it. I get that that was their plan. Yeah. I get that I didn't have it right. And right. Todd if you're a kid, right what do you expect? Say like... no. But I also feel like he knew he was going to sign like six to 10 more signatures. And, and I was just like this little kid back then. And I felt yeah. really pretty let down. I'll be honest. Like, we went into like the panel because like because it started right away and we're like but like me and my friend are like oh, you know do you want to like go home or something <laughs> and and I was like ready to give up on comics and yeah. and 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 a creator came up to me at the back and I wish I could remember who this guy was I can't because I didn't know anybody back then yeah and he just started talking to us like uh, and he was like he's like oh I'm working on a Punisher Daredevil book right now. I still haven't figured out what that book was, but he really engaged my friend and I in a way that like got us back into being excited about comics in a big way. So that guy like single-handedly like saved my interest in comics. Yeah. And I wish I could thank him. I don't know who it was. Well, in a, in a way you did, because you because you remembered it. And, and you know, maybe you didn't remember his name, but you have that memory and and it's the a good and, memory. And it that, kept you in. Like it, it brought yeah. you in, man. Like he really talked to me about the process and like and how comics worked. It was really, really fascinating. That's that is that is some of the inside baseball is some of my favorite stuff about comics now. Like as a kid, all I could care about was like what happened and why. But like now I'm like, how does it happen? What ha what didn't happen? What what do they want to have happen? Like what do they work mm -hmm. on? How do they make it work? Um yeah. you know, I want to see like the, the like the '80s like bullpens of writers like sm chain smoking and and throwing out ideas about gods and yeah. monsters. Like I want to see that crap. Exactly, um, exactly. But, I mean, yeah. I'm fascinated by the medium. You know, like I'm right. at a point where like you know, uh, do I have nostalgia for certain characters? No question. Mostly, I follow creators rather than characters at this yeah. point. But I'm fascinated by what comics can do because they can do they can do like in my opinion like anything. It's my yeah. favorite artistic medium it's a, i love comics and i love understanding how they work yeah absolutely no and they have the and the power they wield because that's the thing like that the movie industry didn't get until recently and that the, that people don't really like seem to get when they don't have any like fascination with it where you know where comics are for kids comics are this that, that you know they we throw a rock and you hit somebody who doesn't understand comics who will give you a dissertation on what they can and cannot be yeah. and you know, all you need to do is talk to anyone who's been touched by one to realize like their impact. Like my wife's interaction with I Kill Giants is the kind of thing where like no human being, no movie, no anything could have could have impacted her the same way that book did. There's so like, many things about comics that that like are different from like, you know, TV or film or yeah. podcasts or radio, like, you know, like sure. paintings. Um, it asks a certain amount of investment from you and, and i mean i guess a book or something does too but it really it requires your imagination to like pace things out and understand like you know what it sounds and feels and smells like you you yeah. have to put that in and that investment counts for something um there's a lot that i love about comics i could go on about that as a topic but oh totally a different topic yeah we do have a different topic uh and i know we have a lot of super chats to get to but let's let's actually at least break ground on it unfinished comic runs um yeah. In preparation for this, I finally actually read Daredevil Target. I'm sorry. Yeah, it sucks. And 
not to like put too fine a point on or anything. But uh, I remember when it came out, I remember people flipping out about it. It was during the Marvel Knights era. Marvel was becoming yeah. more relevant. They're trying new things. They're 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 throwing everything at the wall. And the Ben Affleck movie was about to come out. And the Ben and Affleck movie was about to come out. Yeah. And it, well, yeah, I don't remember what, it was 2003, two, three. Well, I think like, I, I think like one issue came out before and then a couple came after because I remember he made a big deal about like um, Kevin Smith did about like um, yeah. Bullseye carving the, uh, the, bullseye. the, the bullseye in his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make it match the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Am I, I yeah, they, right? Oh no, they did. Yeah, no, the the bullseye carving absolutely it came from the movie and then it impacted the comic. That, yeah. that there's no question about that. Um Dare, Daredevil Bullseye the Target is so like okay, so I remember it came out and everyone was like, What? And then it took forever. And I think Kevin Smith at the same time was working on Spider-Man Black Cat, the evil that men do, which might have also unfinished. For no, a long, it, long time. Well, and it took, I think, like six or seven years, but it did come out. And yeah. so at least it did finish. But I would argue that the first three issues are very different from the last three issues. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's, a lot but he's, of time has passed. And, and, yeah. and that like makes me think of another related thing, and I'm not like switching gears too no, much. No, yeah. But um, Kevin Smith did uh, The Widening Gyre with his friend Walt Flanagan. Yep. That was back in 2010. Yeah. It ends with the villain of the piece slitting uh, Batman's fiance's throat. Yep. So it ends on a cliffhanger. That was 10 years ago now. That was yeah. 10 years ago. And he says he's going to finish it with uh, Bellicosity. Personally, no. I'm like, you know what? If you want to, go for it. <laughs> I, I don't really care. No, and that's the thing. Like, that's not like, a great comic, in my opinion. It, and, and I'm not trying to. We both like thrown Kevin on, under the bus. At this no, but I, I love Kev. I, I'm not saying that it's like. But he's yeah. got some good comics out there. He does. Yeah. His Daredevil and his Screen Arrow is pretty good stuff. Um, yeah, I dig it. His Batman widening gyre thing, not yeah. for me. I get heard about it. Not for me. No, I do not I, care if that does not get finished. No, that's fine. The and and the thing about it is, it's not necessarily even that like it was compelling. It's that readers have moved on and they've done stories enough like it or close to it enough to be like they kind of already did that, man. Like you missed the boat to do that. Like yeah. with with Daredevil Target, like we already have had multiple definitive Daredevil bullseye battles stories that cover the Karen Page thing. Like, yeah, it would be kind of poetic if since you killed Karen Page, you kind of wanted to like tell the or like the 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 revenge against it. But like that time has passed. It would seem kind of like an afterthought. Plus, Kevin Smith 2003, even 2010 is a very different animal from the Kevin Smith of 2020. He definitely is. Yeah, he definitely had a huge change right around like uh Zach and Mary, uh, Zach and Mary or something. And yeah. he, he's a different creator now. Right. Um uh, you know, another one that like it absolutely like won't be finished, still like sort of in the superhero world, is that uh, Ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine. Yeah, no, I remember that was. I remember people flipping out about how awesome that was, and 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 I mean, the Ultimate Universe is dead. There's there is no exactly. ability to do a sequel to that now, or a continuation of it. And it and it's like you know, like it, it feels similar just because that was another one that was like by a. Uh, big name creator uh, who who was that guy that was i'm that Damon lindelof right yes yes i think it was lindelof yeah, yeah. I, I believe damon lindelof wrote it and you know hollywood keep 
takes these guys away. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the thing with like tons of great comics that like you know like was what got me thinking about all this. Yeah. Um, and I know you've got super chats and stuff, but like I want to like just bring up at least uh, one great comic that like went unfinished. Um, yeah. The first one I'm thinking of is uh, Phoenix by Osamu Tezuka. Mm. Uh, the 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 father of manga. Uh, this is the guy that created stuff like Astro Boy, Blackjack, Kimba the White Lion. You know, like just like everything he created is is super super readable, super yeah. great. Um, Phoenix was. A, have you read it yet, Sal? I have never read Phoenix. No. Um, and well, I'll just give you like a, a little please. bit of like the the, the basic. Um, Phoenix is sort of an anthology type of story uh throughout time each story sort of involves somebody searching for immortality or extended life and it would jump around like he'd do a story that was set like in the far distant future mm -hmm. he'd do a story that was set like in a you know like early uh ad and and each story sort of kept like jumping back and forth between future and past but moving generally towards the present awesome and he never got to the present but the great thing about Phoenix is because it's an anthology type of idea, every story, and there's like a 12 stories that he did, each of them is a complete story in and of itself. Right. So it's still like, it's one of these comics that's unfinished, which is a shame, but it's still a great comic to read because you're not going to end on a cliffhanger. Right. It, it, if you are ever curious about like manga, I definitely would recommend it. Like, you know, if somebody's like, oh, I haven't read much or maybe I have, but I don't quite know where it comes from. Yeah. Well, Osamu Tezuka is really the guy that invented a lot of the tropes of how manga is told. And I think that Phoenix is, is a beautiful, beautiful book. It's a shame it, it, it didn't get completed, but it's still a beautiful book worth reading. Yeah. Now, uh, is it just that he did he pass away, or is there just like exactly right? In 1989, he passed away. I think he was only 60 years old. So, like, um, you know, it, it sort of feels like he's a guy that, like, you know, if if he'd had like you know good health and everything, that like could maybe still be with us, you know. Be, yeah. Like, but yeah. That's too bad. That's yeah. That's fascinating. I I did not. I I was not have put Phoenix on the list because I didn't even know it existed. Honestly, I'm I'm getting more into. I'm glad to uh, tell people about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm getting more into at least at least anime, if not manga. My my wife is the is my is my manga person. She's the one who's really into like. Um, she was she's a classic Sailor Moon fan. Uh, she really digs the uh, the Uzumaki stuff. Um, and we're, very cool. we're getting I'm, I'm actually finally exposed to this is only tangentially related but like we're finally watching uh miyazaki i'm finally getting exposed to miyazaki movies my only miyazaki movie right. was princess mononoke because it's my wife's favorite movie and we got the and we got all the movies in one deep blu-ray box set so we're just going down the list of like watching them all and i'm like oh, i think i see what these whatever he's freaking out about like i see why everyone likes this guy yeah uh, last year, my my fiance is like a, a painter, and like last year, she was in a group show that was Miyazaki themed. So like we we went on a binge. Like she had no, she hadn't seen a, a bunch of the movies. So yeah. in preparation, we 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 saw a bunch. It was it was really great to sort of uh, vicariously live through somebody experiencing it again for the first time. Absolutely. No, I'm like, whoa! I get you know, I was watching Nausicaa, and I'm like, oh, this is oh okay. So this is very where he's gonna like it's like part one of mononoke where he's like okay here's what i want to do 
and then here's yeah. what he here's him perfecting it. I mean, it's just just really cool stuff. Uh, Each of his movies is definitely connected to nature, which yeah, is oh. fascinating. Um, uh, one of my favorite like times exploring something like you know in the art world was going to uh, Studio Ghibli Museum out in Mitaka, uh, Japan. Like just, nice. just one of the best museums I've ever been to. So immersive. There's so much you can learn. Yeah, uh, beautiful. That would be amazing. I wish we had anything like that here. It's just, yeah. We don't have anything quite like that. <laughs> we definitely don't. We definitely don't. There's some amazing museums that all like, you know, sing their praises of, it, it's not quite like what the Studio Ghibli uh, Museum is. I, I would imagine just based on the cultural reverence for the medium and for the creator, like they, they would, it would be a very, like, I don't know, tasteful and, and uh, immersive experience. Um, do you need to take any super chats or anything? We probably I, I should. Take a drink of water. Yeah, have a have a have a have a drink. I'm gonna uh, knock through a few. Uh, we got uh, Revan who says didn't drop you a super chat in while uh, in a while, so here it goes. Love comic pop, and I'm looking forward to all your stuff. Cool to see you here too, Chris. Um, so you. yeah, <laughs> uh, 94 Evangelion uh, using a super super sticker, which I think is awesome. I love these little sticker things. Um, they're just kind of fun. I wish we could create our own. Um, Patrick Lawson, uh, hi Sal, love Compop and Compop After Dark. This is uh, whole, this whole at home con will be my first convention. Hey, that's really cool. That's, that's I, I didn't even think that that could be like a thing. That's me awesome. either. Yeah, awesome. hopefully, and I hope they create a situation. Like, I hope they create a feeling like that because the first New York Comic Con was my first Comic Con ever. So, really? yeah, I never really got to go to a Comic Con. My parents were supportive but didn't want me to like become a nerd, you know? So like, I liked comics. They would like begrudgingly take me to the comic book store. But when I found out there were comic cons, they were like, that's that, okay, this is the glass ceiling. Like you're not gonna go to a building full of old men who like the same thing. That's, I already take you to the store and that's bad enough. So like, oh, I, I legitimately never went to any comic con until I heard there was one in New York and went to it. And that was- That's amazing. Yeah, my that's grandma amazing. went to more comic cons than me. Because yeah. Because my grandmother lived in Brooklyn and, you know, old Italian lady, she was like, she one time said, you, you like comic books. They're having a, a comic book show at my church. And would, are there any you'd like me to get? And so, you know, and back then I'm like, yeah, could you get me Spawn? And like, <laughs> oh, okay. My, my, my Catholic old like grandmother with her cart and her hat and her like old woman, like wool sweater she wore in August went to the church thing and got me Spawn comics, um, awesome. which I assume she must've gotten a good deal because I'm sure she goes there. She's like, my boy boy wants Spawn. And they're like, okay. Boy lady. boy? That's, that's her express. That was her term for me. For any, any young boys were boy boy. Like, oh, I think that that should be everybody's term for you, Sal. <laughs> I think for whatever it's worth to everybody in like the chat. Yeah. Please. Boy boy. Yeah, this keep it alive. Boy boy. Thank you. Bring my grandma back. Give me... <laughs> Some comics uh, for the boy boy? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I imagine that they probably gave her a discount. I hope so. Uh, the Otherwise, Iceman... grandma took the five-finger discount. I can imagine her being like, no, that's... For my oh, boy boy. $15? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll just take that. I'll take it for free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Iceman says, uh, even though it technically ended out, it was, it was so rushed, I would say both Ewing's Ultimates and Rosenberg's uh, Kingpin series. Our unfinished runs. Also, Hickman's shield. Hickman's shield needs an end. Didn't it end? 
I'm not sure that it did. I can't, you, you know, know what it is? I'm confusing is Hickman. Is there a history of, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't know that it did. I remember Hickman teasing here's, it. Here's the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll put into context is the only thing, like, um, most of the ideas that I have on, on sort of my list of, like, unfinished, unfinished. comics I'd love to see, um, they're not too many of them are, are Marvel or DC, even though we've talked about some of that. Sure. Because... If it's unfinished, most of the time, like they can pick it up in another title. Like if the title's canceled or if the, the writer like leaves, somebody else can usually pick up that thread somewhere and that yeah. story gets resolved. Um, the ones we've mentioned so far are more creator focused because like Kevin Smith is like, I'm the only guy that can write the villain onomatopoeia, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like so. Yeah, that's true. Um, most of mine are in some way related to the big two, just because I'm the plebe. You can. <laughs> No, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, but they but at least um uh, but I think I have a couple of I, I'm sure we have overlap because I'm I know there's one there's no way you're gonna you're gonna let it go. Um, Meow Nian says, uh, "Hey Sal and Chris, some of the most some of the sort of infamous unfinished runs were Dreamwaves Transformers comics and the Cross Gen event, which were a result of hubris and greed." Thank both of you for the great shows. Yeah, um, Do you have Cross Gen on your list. Uh, I, I have Cross. I sort of have like on my list, I was thinking cross gen and Malibu's ultraverse are sort yeah. of, you know, like just sort of crossed over like universes, like, you know, mainstream type ideas that, that went away because the business just sort of went away. I'd almost include Valiant, but you know, they, they sort of came back in yeah. various forms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or Mal or what about a milestone? I mean, like milestone, Mil milestone was ahead of its time, man. Milestone had like some uh, great, great books. I really liked, well, obviously static was kind of like, that was my book. Stuff, <laughs> I, I liked um, icon. I, I thought yeah. that that was a fascinating idea of like, okay, a guy with Superman's powers, but he looks black, you know, like how's he go through the world? Like how's he treated differently? I was like, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I, I appreciated how it was treated. I remember the Worlds Collide event when, uh, when, when they brought Milestone into the DC universe and seeing it interact in that universe and being like, hey, let's expose some of that. Like, because Milestone, you know, it's its own thing for a little while and it was able to kind of like explore the, the, the realities of, you know, of, of, of real life. And then, yeah, kind of like shining a light on that on the DC universe, which I think is was for a good long time, like kind of like more idyllic and more like more more like washed, like a little bit like. Um, that's that's fair. Yeah, I, but uh, you know, I think I think when Milestone came in, it was like such a good idea to like it, it was a great opportunity. But then, and that's the I, I think that like the characters are good, but like what was great when the Milestone run was coming out was that the creators behind it were you could see that there was a passion there. Yeah, and that they wanted to like tell something that like from their real life you know like, yeah. that there was some like there was like real life being put into those comics instead of just like here's some new superheroes that, are, that have a cool gimmick you know well, that, more than that. well and that's like that's that's literally milestone versus ultraverse where you're like okay here's 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 shazam but it's gross here's like a I'm, zombie you know here's iron man but like it's not you know like it yeah but yeah, what's funny is it's interesting because they had good creators for the most part, because I like Norm Brayfogle's art uh, on prime when yes. he was like the, those first several issues. Um, they had George Perez. Cool. The characters. Eh. And then like once Marvel bought them and then like put like black Knight and juggernaut on like their superhero teams. Like, yep. If you're going to try to boost your superhero team, 
the first two guys you think of are, uh, hey, an X-Men supervillain and everyone's favorite Avenger, Black Knight. Yeah, everyone's favorite <laughs> bejacketed Avenger at that time, Black Knight. You, 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 there's got to have been a, a higher profile superhero that they could have put on like She-Hulk or something like that. Like you, the, the, the thing, I don't know, just well, somebody. I was going to say like during that time, you know who was having a hard time? Captain America wouldn't have been a bad choice to put in there. I mean, it would have it would have beaten putting him in a horrible armor suit, you know? Exactly, exactly. So it was like, that was, that line, like when it failed, it, it, it wasn't that sad because it had gone <laughs> from like an initial quality level with some like really, really talented creators to sort of just like, oh, who's the newest guy that we can just get to fill in and here you can have Black Knight. Well, gee, thanks. Yeah. And the, and what's ironic about both Milestone and Ultraverse is that both of them, both the lines, once they were absorbed by a larger company, were killed primarily because of their tethers to creators who gave a damn and the yeah. desire to not pay them. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's an interesting business study. Uh, same with like sort of cross-gen. It's always interesting when like sort of a, a company tries to do something different, not just with the comics, but sort of how they're trying to make those comics, you know, right. like cross-gen actually had an office and people were expected to keep normal working hours uh, yeah. together. Um but you know Disney owns all the cross-gen and Malibu assets. Yeah. But they don't seem to have much interest in exploiting them, and I don't know if there's enough demand. I, I, you, I think you're right. Can you think of a, a title from either? Like you know, like do you want to see Sojourn or Sigil? Do you, like, no. Is that you want? There's a there's one that didn't get to finish. It's ironic. Like here's a funny thing. It's connected, but it's also in, in related to what we're talking about right now. There's a, there's like a Sherlock Holmesian story. I can't remember what it was called, but it only had Ruse? like three. It was Ruse. Yeah. Ruse only got like three issues, and I think it was canceled or didn't get finished. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Ruse wrap up. The only problem is like, you and I would read it, and that's it. Like, and Probably. and there's no there's no good sell for that. I mean, like Disney comics are kind of in a weird situation because they don't really even care. Like, well. You know, like they care about exploiting the IP in as insofar as creators in their role, like the Disney creators, their create, like the filmmakers and stuff. If they have a character they like or they want to talk about, and it and it's owned by Marvel Comics, then they'll care. But for the most part, I mean, Disney's not in the, Disney certainly didn't buy Marvel to get into the book publishing industry, and no. so no, with, with the IP industry, and that's fair. Um, I mean, the, ironically, look, and they're they're like, hey. You know, the amount of revenue that Marvel Comics or DC Comics generates is sincerely a drop in the bucket for their parent companies, especially exactly. DC, honestly, because Warner Brothers, like that conglomerate, we're talking like probably like a tenth of a percent uh, yep. the revenue from, from DC Comics uh, contributes to the conglomerate's overall revenue. Right. Like a tenth of a percent. But it's also honestly like a pretty low risk venture for them. The amount that I they think. have to invest in, in publishing these, they could literally afford to spend money or like they, they may even honestly Print loss. probably loses some money. Yeah. I'm not sure, but they, they could be losing money in publishing, but it's worth it to them for the intellectual property that they can license or adapt. It's Absolutely. Totally well, remember, uh, I think apropos, uh, I think Topaz in Thor Ragnarok is technically the Ultraverse Topaz. 
Really? Okay, I'll have to read up on that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that it could be only in name, but maybe like one of her tattoos is reminiscent of the Topaz from the Ultra Force. I don't okay. I, I don't have any concrete evidence to support that, but I do know that there aren't a lot of hey, Topazes. Let's just start throwing out wild rumors here. Yeah. Hey, Topaz is... Hey, uh, Ultraverse coming back thanks to Thor Ragnarok? Click, 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 click. Static shock in the next Batman movie? <laughs> because there's a guy again. named Virgil? We got this covered. We got this covered. That's our bread and butter, baby. That's how we do it. Um... We got this covered. Thank you very much for calling that out because that is very true. Somebody, somebody, oh, an industry pro of my, a friend of mine texted me the other day. He goes, hey, did you hear this? And I go, oh, click. Oh, it's where we got this covered. Well, at least we know it's not real. Yeah. And he's like, oh, <laughs> they got me. <laughs> Be skeptical, people. To yeah. re read up on your sources. Right. Uh, Mikey Jesus says, uh, I usually do about eight to 10 cons a year and half are wow. already canceled. It hurts. So it means a lot of what you are all doing this weekend helps a lot. Thank you very much. I'm glad to That's hear great. That's great. That's great. I, I gotta tell you, I, I can't anymore. Like I love cons. Like when I got to New York comic and I got the, I got the bug and I love going and I love interacting with creators and it. seeing how it goes and finding like rare finds and stuff. But like, particularly when the wizard world show was at its peak, um, mm. You know, that was the most McDonald's vacation of, of the Comic-Con scene where it's like, look, another big empty room with the same five vendors and the same five wrestlers and the same like five actors. Like Wrestlers, exactly. I used to go to those in like uh, Chicago and in the early 2000s, it was still like a great show. They'd taken over a really great show. But yeah. as the years went on, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, why, why does Artist Alley have several porn stars selling their photos? Why is there a wrestler ring with the local jobbers like yeah. I, I don't understand what kind of a convention you're trying to put together here it i think it's just uh, i mean it's obviously a money grab but it's like a it's like a capitalization on fandom it's like a fandom show yeah it just became a fan show exactly and that, i'll be honest i'm i like every once in a while like sure like a, a t-shirt or a toy or something i do like that sure but I, I really like my focus to be on the comics as much as possible when I go to a comic convention. That yeah. I mean, uh, but I'm a I'm a about as hardcore nerd for loving comics as possible. But that that's the part that I go there for. Exactly. No, I I remember when I first started going, I'm like, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll start a sketchbook. And then it, like the sketches became, you know, like, well, if you if you tweeted me a month ago, you could be on the list for the sketch. It can be hard to get sketches. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing And then I saw like the, the, how far it went and how people are like, I have all these books and I don't ever look at any of them. And, and it cost me this much money. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I don't care about that anymore. It's a lot of work, but I've seen some really amazing themed sketchbooks. Totally. And, and that takes like a lot of time and patience because you're only going to get one or two a convention. And how many conventions are you going to go to? But like when I see somebody like open up um, a sketchbook and it's like every artist's interpretation of Wonder Woman, like, you know, I'm like, very That's neat. pretty fascinating. That That is really special. That is really special to own. So I totally get it. No, I totally um, agree. But it, I would it, love to see more of that. You have to like think of like, what do you want out of a convention? Yeah. And that's got to be your focus because because you can get like overwhelmed with it. Oh, totally. Oh, especially if you have if you have no game plan or you're not familiar with them at all. If you're like, oh, I, I, I'm kind of into into some of this culture now. Uh, my friend is really into it. So I'll follow what they're doing. And it's like it's going to you know, we got to have a game plan in place. You can't just go half cocked. Uh, Biggie Jersey's TV. So awesome to see my two favorites together. Nice to see. Uh, thank you very much, Biggie. 
Mr. Cumin with a super sticker. Thank you very much for using those stickers. Um, the Iceman back says, uh, "I've never cried into. I've never cried to print media. God Country made me ba made me ball. There you go. Um, I've never cried to print media. God Country made me ball. My grandpa had just been officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Obviously, the book wrecked me. God Country. I, I think God Country is some excellent stuff. And yeah, if you're like a Field of Dreams kind of fan, you, it's gonna hit you. Yeah, um, yeah. That, he's, that, comics yeah. can definitely make me emotional. And... Oh yeah." Oh yeah. And and, and I, they I come from unexpected it. places. Like you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised like what character or what story and it has everything to do, as you've said, with, by the creator. So going to like the comic that like did not um, get, get completed that I personally would like to see the most. Yeah. I don't know if it's on your list, but big numbers by Alan Moore and Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah. Big, big numbers. Just because that, that collaborative team. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, and there's a lot of interesting stuff about big numbers. I remember reading big numbers as a kid. Cause I heard about it. I think it was in a wizard and I was like, I don't know what it was like my first time watching pie where I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing or what's happening. Uh, but like, but I know that Sinkevich is a genius. <laughs> he is. He is. He's a really great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I've gotten to see him at conventions like um, make art. Yeah. And what's amazing is he'll have all sorts of different mediums and stuff and he'll like make like a really amazing illustration. Basically almost cover the whole thing up with like a layer of like paint or something yeah. like that and keep working it. It's it's amazing his his process. But so big numbers just for those who don't know. Um Alan Moore's idea was he wanted to talk about the impact on a an English town that he lived near an American company puts a mall in it. Yes. And how that disrupts it. And his bigger idea, because he's always got like sort of a theme or an idea, was right. he wanted to use fractal geometry to explain chaos theory. Fractal geometry being sort of a visual representation of recurring uh, images. Yep. And then chaos theory just being like, hey, if, if we change this one thing, how does that affect everything else? So you yep. knew a lot of people in like this whole town. And how is like a mall going in going to utterly like change that town? Yep. Um, they did two issues, yep. self-published, super photorealistic art by Sienkiewicz. Not yeah. really his typical stuff. No, Amazing. but, well, and there there are some gore, not to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just saying, like, there's there's some other, it, it's, it starts out where you're like, it's photoreal, it's, I've, I'd never seen anything like what he had Gordon. done there. And then, selectively, there are moments where it, it completely shifts. And it becomes yeah. something else. So, like, he then did like issue three in his more sort of slightly abstract, scratchier style. Yes. That was never officially published. It has come out online because like it did get finished and somebody has scanned it. So you can find issue three now. Yep. But for Sienkiewicz in real life, I'll just go behind the scenes a little. He went through a lot of like tough things. Um, first of all, he was using actual human models for some of these characters. And... Um, one of them moved to like Germany. Um, another, like they, they were also like slightly getting older because it was taking so long to make this. Yep. Wilson Kevich lost a parent. Uh, he fell out of a relationship and he lost like a lot of money somehow. So he had like all these like real life things slowing him down. It's, it's, it's too bad. So uh, he had an assistant at the time guy named Al Columbia, who's done a lot of um, amazing comics. And the idea was um, Al will take over 
for issue four. And the story is that Al illustrated the entire issue, but he's a notorious perfectionist. For some reason, he decided he did not like it. The rumor is he destroyed it. Yeah. He destroyed the entire book four. So we've never, it was going to be 12 issues. We <laughs> Two got published. One yep. unofficially got scanned in, in more recent years. Yeah. Unfinished. Um, yeah. And I don't think it'll in recent years has said that he's still up for like, he, he'd love to finish it now. But Alan Moore, of course, has announced that he's retired. So are we going to ever get that? Like, I would love to see that book. Yeah. Um, it's a timeless idea. It, it is. And uh, yeah, the, well, it, what's interesting is now because of the death of the mall and the decline and what an amazing have it a period piece but you're right like now you could update it too yeah. like what's the, the decline well is it, and and how it's like it it did this damaging effect and or it did this changing effect and Change. now it's gone like but it's left this scar and what did it what did it do and how 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 will it leaving you know it became part of the infrastructure and it became part of the economy. And so everything had to adapt around it. And then it dies because yeah. of its inherent fallacy. And then how does that impact everyone in the town? It, it does a whole new shift. That'd be a fascinating subject. Um, it would. And if big numbers doesn't want to tackle it. I someone else. <laughs> somebody I hope out there would like to do a story like that. Because I legit would love to read, you know, it doesn't have to be purely fact, but like fact-based tell the story of like the impact of a mall just sort of like stopping being an important like cultural hub and like sort of falling into disrepair and stuff. Yeah. I think that would be a fascinating story. I agree. As a former mall rep myself, I would love to see that. Uh, it would, it would be an incredible, uh, particularly I'd love to see it as like a multiple, like, a, like multiple periods, like to see it when, at, the, at its rise when it was like, Everything was a mall. Everything was around the mall. The mall created like the infrastructure. Yeah. That it was a social hub. Like when I was like a, a young teenager, I didn't have the internet. I, I'm old. <laughs> and so what, where else do you really go so, to a degree? Well, for uh, cultural. You, you know, get into like bars and stuff. Uh, Those are your options. You yeah. just like wander the mall, you'd go to a movie, you'd, you'd go into like, you know, the video game or the, 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 the music stores and stuff like that. Like, that's just what we did. Yeah. Um, but that's not what people do now. No. And, and yet like the mall exists still. And yeah, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, and, and big numbers could have been a really impactful piece of art that might have been a great part of the conversation. Yeah. I would um, love to see that completed, but if you've never read it, even though it like is heartbreaking that like the story barely even gets started, right. I can't say that it's at least gorgeous. Yeah, uh, the artwork is at least gorgeous to look at, and that it's an interesting idea that'll maybe like get your get you thinking about something. Um, yeah. Obviously, it got us like talking about like you know like almost an updated version of it that's almost the opposite of like what yeah. happens when a mall leaves. Right. Um, so yeah, cool comic that you know, is, is tragic that never yeah. got finished. By the way, if you do look at issue three, because it is like more, I don't know what you're used to from Sienkiewicz's style. Like it, it, it's scratchy, but it's also definitely a photocopy of a photocopy. Like it is, it has this kind of like grindhouse kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a, like zine kind of feel to it. Yeah. And yeah. I wish yeah. it were thematically relevant to what the subject matter was. Cause it would be like really kind of cool if it was, in, if it was deliberate. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it's also lost. Like, I think the idea is that it was scanned, but there isn't one, like, that the original's gone or that somebody well, has it. Like, I don't know. I don't know where the original art is. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't believe more would be a copy. Yeah. It, it, it like it, the, the, it was never, it was never formally published just no. to be clear. I don't believe more would, uh, I mean like Moore's retired, but like he's, I've heard him retire before. Uh, I feel like if Sinkevich was like, I'm going to spend a year, we're just going to make big numbers. Like we're going to 12 is too ambitious. Okay. You know, I think he'd do it. I think he'd be like, yeah, all right. Like, yeah, why not? particularly because of the possibilities of story. And because like, you know, if you're a writer, if you're a creator, you, you know, you, you sh sure you retire from the public eye, but you never stop creating. It's probably what, like, as far as like, you know, hardcore comics fans go like out of like unfinished comics, it's definitely like gotta be in like the top five. Totally. That and well, that and Miracle Man. That was the next one I wanted to talk about. <laughs> um, Miracle Man. Uh, More of, probably too confusing a story to explain the whole behind the scenes thing yeah, right there's, there's, so, there's so many fascinating chapters where it's like oh well let's talk about when mcfarland got involved or let's talk about like when marvel bought it or you yeah. know when or even its creation where it's formation. Sort of like, you know they lost the rights to shazam so they just uh, captain marvel so they decided they'd make their own make another one yeah uh but Miracle Man, like the modern sort of uh, reboot, you'd call it, by by uh, initially Alan Moore, pretty fascinating look at like, you know, and one of the first times where they, they were like, well, let's sort of deconstruct this idea of superheroes by putting them in a more realistic world. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of quaint right. by comparison. And then he like, you know, handed it over to uh, Neil Gaiman, who was going to sort of like do sort of his golden and silver age uh, idea of... Uh, you know, showing like a utopia created by by a superhuman. Like, what if instead of just going after bank robbers, they actually use their powers to change the world? You know, yep. like Superman could make the world a better place if he decided he was going to sort of take over and do that. Yeah. And so that was good. I guess like the, the ultimate question is the idea was Miracle Man, whoever had the rights like to create it, could hand it over to another creative team they'd have the rights to create a story with Miracle Man and continue to hand it off to other people. Yeah. If for some, like there, there must be something legally still tying things up because Marvel did a bunch of reprints, but they stopped a few years back. Uh, full stop. Like we had a, we have, we have original Casada no, art of the character. We, there was some rumor that they were going to fold him into the Marvel universe. Um, there's a lot around that, but yeah, like you said, like they reprinted Miracle Man. We got, and, and they were, they were put like, because of, I think they were also like, they had Gaiman on retainer, in case they wanted him to continue the story because he never really finished it. He never quite finished his part. Um, yeah. So but yeah, the, his artist, if I'm remembering right, and I don't recall do something with it. Yeah. Um, but like, let's say, let's just say for sake of argument here, the rights got cleared up and now they're, they're ready to hand it off. Like, do you have a team, like a, a, a writer artist that, tend to work together writer that you would like to see tackle something as sort of like dark and, 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 you know, grounded as, as miracle man. Yeah. Well, it depends on, well, cause I love the idea that more took it to the, to the place of eighties grit. Gaiman tried to bring it to like a golden age kind of like sensibility. Utopia, yeah. 
You can do almost anything with it. And it's a thing. You've got um, sort of a Superman-level character. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, personally, I don't know if this would appeal to this creative team, but I would like to see Brubaker Phillips. Really? Because I was going to say that that would be a good. Like, I was I was thinking if there was a Brubaker team, but uh, I like that. I, you know, because I I just first of all I like everything they do. They work mm-hmm. really well together, um, and it would be interesting to sort of see like a, a slight sort of like mystery element added to something yeah. there. Also, like, you know, Brubaker can do superheroes great. Like, his, his Captain America run was, like, phenomenal. Yep. So, um, I don't know if that's definitely the perfect team, but, like, if it came out today, I, I, I'd i be curious to see so oh, much. Totally. I'd, I'd love to see more Miracle Man. I think if I were to, if I, if I were an editor, or if yeah. I were the, like, if I were to be like, okay, I got to pick somebody, I got to sell it. I'd pick Morrison Quitely. Oh, I think that Morrison would be like, if you challenged him, being like, I want you to do a six issue run of Miracle Man. Totally love that idea. He'd totally be like, okay. That. Like, he'd be like, oh, I Chris don't know. Peters, and then stay with that. Like, yeah. yeah. I definitely think that you're right. Like, Morrison could definitely come up with a bonkers and therefore appropriate idea for Miracle Man. Exactly. I, I don't get nearly enough Frank Quitely art. I'd love to see him do that. I love that team. That is, a, Thank you. That is a great suggestion. Thank you. I tell you, because I'm like, I, I don't think there is a like you know there's there's ambitious creators like Hickman, but you know who do you pair Hickman with? And even then, Hickman would need four hundred issues, and it wouldn't really make any like. I, he, like I talented creators. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of like a, almost a team, and I like your idea yeah. a little better than I like mine, to be honest. Because <laughs> they've sort of done stuff with X Men and All Star Superman. Yeah, that I can uh, sort of imagine what where they could go. Exactly. The, the thing. I do like your Brubaker Phillips idea. The thing is, the thing is, it would be like I think there's room for both, and it would be great to be. It'd be funny because people would all remember the the Morrison one, but you'd have this this the select fan who were like, "I love that gritty Brubaker run, though." Like, who doesn't rem- like who like no one talks about that that like four to six issue run where Brubaker and Phillips did this really cool story, um, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just weird that we haven't heard anything in years. As I to, can't like, believe what, it. What's going on with it? Have you noticed, this is just unrelated, but like, have you ever noticed, um, this is more recently, certainly, that I've noticed, um, uh, particularly when it came to the DiDio situation and uh, more uh, more, more recently, the, uh, the comic book publishing printing situation with COVID-19. Um, comic outlets used to think they had to make a statement. You know, when Wizard was around, they'd like, oh, so-and-so was not available for comment. CBR, Newsarama, Bleeding Cool, all these different outlets, um, mm-hmm. they usually have like a statement printed up because they're a company and they have to usually issue a statement when it comes to it. It's usually a press release by big companies, sure. Exactly. I've noticed that recently the big two have learned that they don't really have to do anything. And I think that like the, that silence is an option. You know, like when DiDio no longer worked at DC, I've heard everything, but I don't want, but I don't want to lend credence to any one thing. Let's just say he's not there no more. But like officially from the company, never a statement, never anything. Jim that Lee said something weird to be honest. Like that's more weird. weird than Miracle Man in a way, just because like a, a creative project that, that that fades away, whatever. Yeah. It's weird not to like like to, to to release like an executive and not have a press release. That's 
that's weird. Yeah. And I, and I, what I think what they found out was, you know, they were drafting them. They were working on them. They were waiting for DiDio to probably put out a video to say what happened to him. He never did. Or when he did, it was like really quiet and very like, you know, kind of even handed. And, and at some point or another, they noticed that the outcry was pretty quiet. And they mm-hmm. went, as it turns out, we don't really have to say anything. And just, when it, uh, let's just not talk. Let's just not do anything. Let's see just never anybody, let's just not... uh, see if anybody notices. Right. And like by and large, like, you know, we noticed, but like the outlets yeah, didn't. But like we're a small percentage. That's the thing. Like, like there's no, like CBR doesn't have an, or, an editorial every month that says like, and by the way, no statement from DC yet about what happened to you. <laughs> like, um, but you I think it's related. What also speak to though, is I honestly think it also does sort of speak to the fact that um, there's no... There, in terms of journalism within comics, I, yeah, I, I don't know that there's sort of like a news outlet right now that like you know um, is 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 like of, of a high enough tier and a high enough quality to to sort of even try to do the investigative journalism to ask, hey, why haven't you commented? Yeah, yeah, you'd have to. There are that... good magazines out there that do interviews with creators. There's good yep. uh, online outlets that do, you know okay flash like hot takes and stuff like that yeah. but i don't feel like there's really a um a, a, a journalistic outlet for for comics that, that no. that's putting people's feet to the fire or and getting answers on stuff like that no and and well what, what's probably no money in it but that's there's the a there's no money and b there by and large is no audience i i think that ultimately i think if it was well written that the audience that, that they'd find the audience would come but i also think you need to first grow the medium you, you right. need to grow comics yeah comics need to be that's a whole huge topic like, it, it's, it's true it's true but yeah like i think that the closest thing you'll get is if there was like a if it was stuck in someone's craw over at like another publication and some ancillary thing like a variety was like somebody at variety really had a problem with this it was like you know what i'm gonna say something on the cover of you know what i mean like that's when it would get it's exposed that, that's totally true that's totally true we have to wait for the bigger guys to do something or care. And that's frustrating and too bad because like we've been around longer and, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the amazing Amazo says just catching the show now, but so glad to see comic tropes on the show in a recent, I'm a recent fan of his. Here's a few quid to help out. Keep safe. Thanks. Amazing. Amazo. Oh, thanks. Um, Stephen W. Fothery says the best crossover ever. The two best comic book YouTubers joining forces. There are many great content creators in the community, but you are all the best. Thank you, Stephen. Very kind. Uh, I can't argue with that. Uh, comic tropes is a, is an industry standard. Um, Catfish one hundred and seven. Thanks, Chris, for your vid on Howard Chaikin and the recommendation of American Flag. I dig his artwork, especially how his guns are either real or could be functional. Another example that shows he cares for detail. Yeah, now, Chaikin. I, I feel like I, I I don't quite understand where he is all the time in terms of like what he wants wants to do but i do find him utterly fascinating and certainly super talented yeah Yeah, every time i see a howard chicken book i either think it's like awesome looking or uh or or i'll pass yeah it's it's very very strong extremes i'm like is this is this to offend me or to like relate (laughs) with me and like i don't know yeah, he was he was at a local con of ours. That's the thing. Now we now I go to the local cons, and I'm like, he was at a local con, sitting at a table next to Tom Mandrake. Nobody there, and uh, I jumped into a dollar bin. I grabbed the Wolverine Nick Fury Scorpion contract hardcover. Oh, buck! I was like done, and uh, and I'm like, hey, would you mind? He's like, not at all. Like wrote a thing. I was like, 
the, the amount of access, that's the thing is that today, the amount of unmitigated access you get to creators is unprecedented. It's um, pretty weird. It is really, right? It's it's pretty weird. Like, and yeah. and yet the also like the the kind of like cavalier, well, who cares? Like, like it's split down the middle. You got people who are like, holy yeah. shit, you know, Howard Chank is just sitting here. I could talk to him forever. He, he can't go anywhere. Um, and then there's, like people who just and then there's the fact that you can't and there, there's no one there and that there's no line um, yeah it's it's amazing like it yeah um, um amazing you on your list yeah well uh, miracle man was the big one. Oh, um one i wanted to mention really quick was the last galactus story okay john burn yeah it's more of a story that never really happened as opposed to a story that was never finished but i'm just i'm always fascinated well, by nine, nine of ten parts got published was it really was it really i thought it was just like i yeah. thought it was in i thought it was couched in something else or reworked no, into no, another project um it was like around 1984 mm -hmm. so even i was pretty young then even me <laughs> yeah. um marvel had a magazine called epic illustrated where they would publish sort of more um uh, sort of adult it was more like that they they didn't have the comics code because it was a magazine yep um so you could have a little more adult material and you could have creator-owned stuff in there as well like yep. um but uh burn wanted to tell a galactus story specifically the last galactus story uh, exactly. galactus at the end of the universe um and it, it's it's very cool it's cosmic it it feels almost like it could have been a fantastic four story and he and he published nine parts um, it's of him and his, uh, Harold, who was she called? Nova? Yeah. yeah. Frankie, Frankie Ray. Frankie, Frankie, Frankie Ray yeah. Nova. And it was basically, uh, going to be the end of the whole universe. Galactus eats the last of it. The universe yep. dies and she survives as sort of the next Galactus. Exactly. Um, but only nine, nine of 10 parts were, were created, which is still a lot, but yeah, it sort of ends yeah. without quite getting finalized. And that's because Epic Illustrated uh, folded. They, right. they, 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 they canceled the title. Uh, and I guess Byrne hadn't like already done, he knew that it was coming, I guess, because he, yeah. he didn't do the final part. Like, it, you know, we would have known by now if he's like, oh yeah, I finished this story and it just never got published. Well, um, and I remember there being like rumblings back when they invented the, the end label that maybe they might just reprint it. I, I, I've heard that like rumor, but as far as I understand, like, yeah, nothing's, nothing's come of it, which sort of, it's weird. It's weird to think that like John Byrne doesn't necessarily have the cash these days, like, you know, yeah. to, 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 for, for Marvel to be like, Hey, we've started the end series. This is perfect. That's the thing. Like we are in like, yeah, no. Um, normally I would have assumed that it was Byrne's, call to not finish it that like why would marvel ignore such a great opportunity it's but, weird that it didn't wrap up then just because of who he was like in 1984 john Byrne. Yeah. um so it's a little weird that they didn't finish it uh like i said like he, he said that there was only like one more chapter but it but yeah weird <laughs> and and could still do it you know like could still finish it easily um and it's frustrating because, like, I'd love to see that finished. And, and moreover, and that's the thing that, like, I would yeah, love I to see, it. you know, right? That's the thing is that I would buy it. And I'd buy it more than any of the the end books that came out, like, a couple of months ago. Where I was like, oh, they brought it back for a second? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they they literally brought it back for, like, two books. There's, like, Captain Marvel, the end, and something else. I don't remember what it was. But I was like, 
you're oh wait the captain america one was by eric larson right yeah i did read that i did get that sorry yeah i read that i'll get anything by eric larson really (laughs) eric larson is an incredible creator the dude's a workhorse and has not stopped since like the 80s um yeah Yeah. people like talk about like you know like um the longest runs by you know a single creator and uh in american comics because like manga manga is another animal there are some really long-running mangas uh like one piece or something but in american comics the 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 standard is cerebus 300 issues by dave sim some people will say hey spawn uh went past that yeah that that's still todd mcfarland's property but he didn't like draw every issue or anything like that. no i would argue he hasn't written it i I would argue he never really wrote an issue like (laughs) He brainstormed some issues. Yeah, because it says story. But uh, but Eric Larson is coming up on issue 250 of Savage Dragon, and he's written and illustrated every single issue. Yeah. I think he'll pass 300. I, I do. I, th- I think it like, you know, five more years or so, and he'll uh, he'll pass that, which is... Oh, there, he is... He will not... St- there's Especially with him knowing he's at 250, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll do I'll do 51 yeah. more. We're talking about stuff that got, like, unfinished. That that that's gonna that's oh, gonna go on forever. Savage so Dragon, like Larson's gonna outlive us all and keep publishing Savage. Some would argue Savage Dragon is more than finished. Like you're you're good. Um, no, it's uh, impressive. And seeing, uh, by the way, if you've never seen uh, Eric Larson, I know you. I'm sure you have. Uh, seeing him work, he has yeah. this really peculiar way of holding a pencil. Yeah, and he moves it, his whole arm. He's sort of like, yeah, like I, I do. I have something. I, I have a tool here, <laughs> and so like he'll. He'll sort of like hold Gnarl it his hand around. He'll like roll it in. But what's impressive is forget how he holds it like there. That that's a little odd, but it, we all hold pencils and pens in different ways. Sure. But what's what's impressive is he draws with his whole arm, which yeah. you're supposed to do as an artist. And as compared to like using your wrist or something, like yeah. I, I use my wrist like a lot of times, even though I know I'm not supposed to. Eric uses his whole arm and it gives him a lot of control and he works really fast. He, yeah. He's very confident with his work. I, I admire it. Absolutely, I was. It was an incredible thing to see. I, I think I saw it in, like in Canada a couple of years ago. I've never like, seen anybody draw anything close to how he draws. Nope, it's totally unique. Nope. I remember falling in love with his work thanks to his work on Spider-Man. Like I loved the McFarlands, but then when Larson came on board, I'm I'm like it's another level. Like it was just another Sales thing. Continued to go up. Eric Larson sold more Amazing Spider-Man copies than um than McFarland, and then Bagley. Uh, sold even more that yeah. was the height was with mark bagley yeah i love Amazing. bagley because everybody remembers todd because todd's <laughs> todd and and he started image but but yeah more more uh more copies of spider-man sold per per month with uh, mark bagley wow that makes sense that was also it was also cresting the specular boom so that also probably factors in but, but i love bagley everybody asks me who my favorite spider-man artist is and i'm always like i think consistently i like bagley the most but there are <laughs> like Pretty much, if you are an excellent artist, you're my favorite Spider-Man artist because, like, Spider-Man can't be drawn like, you know, like I love like John Byrne's black and white Spider-Man cover is where he uses all the negative space. It's just with the black costume, yeah, right. But like that doesn't mean I love John Byrne as a Spider-Man artist. It's just like, but he can do it, and Larson does it too. Like that Revenge of the Sinister Six splash of everyone on one page with all the sound i'm like this is just next level Spider-Man's a very versatile character that's the and thing I mean, yeah i saw that like early on because like ditko drew him very like skinny and uh kind of weird and stuff yeah. and then you go to um john romita senior 
uh, and all of a sudden Spider-Man's a little more bulked up and a little less like gangly and a little more traditional superheroic. So he really, Kirby. Like, it was a pretty big jump there. And um, there's been lots of room for interpretation ever since because you've got like sort of two ends of the spectrum there for, for comics, so like, you know, weird or, or standard. And um, yeah, I, I go back and forth as to like who my favorite Spider-Man artist is. I mean, I know some of the, the top ones are definitely like, yeah, like Eric Larson, Mike Zeck. Yes. Um, Dicko. Yep. And personally, not every issue, but I love a lot of John Romita Jr.'s Spider-Man. Some of Me it's too. like some of his best work. I agree. Yeah, his run on his run during JMS's run is some of the best Romita stuff. Romita Jr. Yeah. stuff. You'll get. It really depends on how much time John Romita has, John Romita Jr. has to do an issue because he can sort of like he'll hit his deadlines basically. Yeah. So sometimes his art like is sort of like more cartoony than you expect. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like really, really fine draftsmanship. Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's there's a ton of super chats <laughs> that I, I would like. Right, to. We talked a lot. I know. Hey, listen, this is a good show. Uh, but uh, so but so I'm I'm I feel like it's a success. I'm happy. I'm and I think people are happy with it. So you know, it works for me. It's just um, yeah. And I, I I let them build up because it's like I don't want to interrupt the flow. You know, it's like this is this is the show. Yeah, sorry, um, folks. I mean, uh, hopefully, they, you're okay with me just like uh, talking so much. Even though no, 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 this is this is the show. Like, and it's and I think it, it worked out really, really, really well. Like, uh, so I'm trying to catch up here. Uh, Noj Aod says, "Hey, Chris, can't wait for at home Comic Con." Um, me too. Uh, Gravishish says, "One of my top unfinished runs, at least. I think it didn't finish as Monsters Unleashed. Really fun kaiju book that should have gotten more love. I think Monsters Unleashed finished. Unless you're talking about the the ongoing." In which case, yeah, that was probably unceremoniously canceled because the event didn't sell very well. So I can't, I can't believe they made it ongoing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and Dukar helping us out with a super sticker. Uh, Lucha Dandy says, Comic Pop and Comic Tropes, the world's finest comic YouTubers. Nice pull there. Nice reference. Uh, Revan didn't drop. Oh, I saw that already. Um, well, here, here, uh, Sal, reach out your uh, right fist and... Uh, oh, ho! You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> World's finest. World's finest. Nice. That was a that was a power pounding there. Yeah. Uh Meow, Mikey, Biggie, Mr. C Mr. Cumin with a hype sticker. Uh print media, amazing amazo, Steven. Catfish says uh Howard Chaikin. Here we go. Nerd King 101. You and Tiff should try My Hero Academia. It's basically an anime superhero comic. The writer's a big fan. I love My Hero Academia. Yeah, Spider Man's a big one that uh, he's a fan of. I've uh, I, I'm not I'm not the world's biggest anime fan. Um, I'm talking about the manga. Oh, there you go. Well, uh, do you, you like, might? Did you yeah. ever read New Mutants back in the day or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love New Mutants uh, when it was like Claremont and Louise Simonson and stuff. Yes. I, I loved that book when it, um, My Hero Academia reminds me in a lot of ways of that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the best sell that I've heard yet. <laughs> on, on my hero yeah um Deconaton, love you guys started watching you both at around the same time you're both incredibly fun funny and informative in very different yet humorous uh, harmonious ways keep up the good work thanks Deconaton. appreciate it uh taylor petster i know this isn't a book that most know but desolation jones by warren ellis it was a wildstorm book from the mid-2000s that had lost all the files on the computer crash like a few other books oh that's brutal i don't know yeah, about uh, that one me either and that's a totally different story than anything else we have here where either the creators died, wandered away, or the 
publishing house collapsed. Oh, yeah. to lose the files. And that's like, you know, there's a that's thousand stories a modern, like that. What a modern problem. That sucks. <laughs> that that hurts oh. my soul. Um, Mike Manhattan, why did Grant Morrison Wildcats only get one issue? I forgot about Grant Morrison's Wildcats. That's right. Um, yeah, because it was happening like right where like DC was rebooting. Yeah. So it sort of got like sidetracked and never picked up again. Yep. Yep. It was had just a lot of potential. Had a lot yeah. of potential, but yeah, just one issue. Isn't it amazing how marginalized Wildstorm is when Jim Lee's the co-publisher? It's pretty strange that they're not used more. Like I thought that there was going to be a Gen 13 title that we were going to get like Wildcats all over the place. I've been I've been pitching this forever. I would love to see Gen 13. I, I was I was shocked after um, Jeff Johns got like kind of after it was clear that Johns wanted to do something with soup with the Legion after Doomsday Clock, and they said, "Ah, screw it, give it to Bendis." That Gen 13 didn't join the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, that could that could work. I, I why isn't Gen 13 part of Teen Titans? I don't know. Well, the, yeah, they should be the team. That should be like a like or whatever the Titans complement is. Like, yeah, Gen 13. I feel like they Maybe were like Grunge is a little dated now. Grunge is a little dated. Yeah, <laughs> I think the name is definitely the name. I feel like the problem is um, with Gen 13. They were like, we gave it to Gail Simone, and didn't work. Obviously, it'll never work. Like, I think that was their, I think they were just like, it didn't work when Gail Simone wrote it, so I guess we can never make it work. Sometimes somebody's tape just doesn't connect at that time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, particularly, I, I tried, I was like, ooh, Gail Simone, Gen 13, read. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, I can't read that name, but it says, to your boy boys, thank you very much. <laughs> Eat boy, that boy. Boy boy, thanks for bringing it back. <laughs> Eat that boy. 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 Pouring a glass for all the DC books that got suddenly canceled to make way for the new 52. Been reading through more books from that era, and there were some real gems, man. Yeah. Uh, Rusky says, infamous Iron Man, Secret Wars reset the universe, and a few months later, Tony was back to normal. I meant Superior, but infamous Iron Man also. Um, yeah, yeah. Superior, it could only go as far. Like, that kind of stuff like happens all the time in like you know yeah. superhero books. I, I I was trying to think more of like creative teams that didn't get to finish. Yeah. A, you know what we didn't talk about? They had mapped out. All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Yeah. That one didn't get finished. And no. I don't get it because despite critical savaging, it sold like crazy. Well, sure. And 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 I will say that it's definitely got some some of Jim Lee's go most gorgeous work. You Easily. Know, you, like you could Jim tell. Hard, it, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Frank Miller had lost his damn mind at that point. In time. Completely, you you could see it happening when he was when he wrote uh, Spawn Batman, like all the way back in '97. He was he was already on was, the way out. He's definitely like changing at that point. But like All Star Batman and Robin, and I mean, I don't think he's ever talked about this. I don't know what's going on. He looks great these days, and he sounds a lot more coherent. But I think he had some pretty serious illness for for a while. He did, and yeah. I don't know if that affected his creative output and who he was yeah he, like he seemed to be one person throughout the 80s and into the 90s yep a completely different person in the early 2000s yeah. and then all of a sudden in later years uh more recent years is what i mean he seems to be getting a little bit back to who he used to be yeah but he hasn't talked about it but like just look at photos just look yeah. at photos of him something's going on there and i don't oh, know yeah. what it was no i i've heard i've heard rumors which i don't want to same, to, but, but I, it's a rumor. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's been no confirm. There's no been no. There's been no statement. He's never talked about it. And and, but yeah, I think you know it's funny that never occurred to me to factor in 
him being sick. It was just kind of like him getting older. Okay. But that's, it, I mean, the you know, any number of things. That or he lost interest. I mean, I think Lee would still be up for it. He seems to be up for like whatever Batman project. Jim Lee loves Frank Miller. Like if you, you all you got to do is read his Death Blow, and it is it is a love letter to, to Frank Miller. Like that, Jim Lee. You know, like some of the best stuff he's ever done is in that All Star Batman book, and I think it's because he's like, I have to impress Frank Miller. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. I, yeah. I don't care for that book, like story wise, at all. <laughs> I, none of the characters feel right to me. No, nope. I mean maybe Robin. I I don't know. I was but gonna like, say maybe you know, Alfred. <laughs> yeah, like, but beyond Batman, like, I mean, because I just don't think of Batman as being that sort of cruel and angry. Like, no, he's he's really cruel in that. But like, Wonder Woman's off, uh, Black Canary's off. Like, it did, none of it, it feels right to me. It's all very I'm up yeah. for new interpretations. So if he was going somewhere with it, but it just seems to be like you know episodic, and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. I no, don't get it. I'll look it's at a it fever dream. Time. Yeah, it's a total fever dream of a book. Did you ever? Um, actually, I, I keep a lot of wizards around the house, and my my wife was reading something. She goes, "Did you see the article?" <laughs> It was celebrating the 10 year anniversary of Dark Knight Returns in which Frank Miller talks about how much he hates Robin. And I was like, that's, she's like, maybe that explains all-star Batman and Robin. And I loved it because like, it was, you know, it's 10 years. Dark Knight. What? uh, Strikes back. Oh yeah. Dark Knight strikes, strikes again. Yeah. uh, Yeah. When when Dick Grayson was the rubber Joker monster. Ugh. but, uh, he talks about how he likes, he hates Robin, he hates being pandered to, but he liked the idea of Robin being ex, being an extension of Batman's fanaticism, and that his favorite scene, Fascism, really, yeah, and his favorite scene in Dark Knight Returns was the scene where Carrie falls out of the helicopter and then Batman pulls her up and says, "Good soldier," because that represents just how insane Batman is. And I was like, "No." <laughs> Like I like Sometimes that. This is why creators shouldn't like talk about what they mean with with their work because yeah. how a, a reader or a viewer etc like interprets the art is always valid to them. You know, exactly. like so when, if somebody asks a painter like, "Oh, what did you intend with this?" and they're like, "I'd rather not get into it," or if a director of a movie says, "I'd rather not get into it," I respect that in oh, a way goodness. because. I want my interpretation to be valid. I don't want it to be like shot down. No, I hate it. Like I would hate to say like, well, I had this really like I, I, all-star bat all-star Superman is the same deal where I'm like, I love the ending. I think it's perfect and beautiful. Oh yeah. And, and, all-star, all-star Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. No, love no, no. It. We're off. Bat- all-star Batman, but uh, all-star Superman. I love the ending. And then people go like, you know, and I'm like, I love how like it's this inter for me, it's an interpretation of Superman's like enduring spirit living on and the rest of them. And that's why there's like a Superman two program being built over there. Um, and then everyone's like, no, you're wrong. Grant Morrison brought him back. He's the Superman from DC. Have you you're read DC 1 million? And I'm like, no. Like, and that's the whole conversation. It's just like, for me, I'm like, I don't care about what Grant Morrison. Uh, yeah, wanted. I mean, I, by that rationale, All Star Batman also like All Star Superman. Also, the ending reminds me of uh, the final uh, two part story just before Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I'm trying to remember what what that was for. Uh, oh, for whatever get whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Yeah, because that oh, yeah. ends on like sort of this weird 
dark note you think and then you realize no actually there's there's quite a bit of hope in in it yes um, so anyway it reminded me of that a little bit in a good way right exactly it's it should absolutely have that shade um yeah whatever happened to the man tomorrow is so easy to dismiss because of like the kind of like dated art but it's also like Perfect. I think it's great though. That, that was Tuana and and, Street. and uh and Alan Moore back when he was comfortable writing uh DC superhero stuff, he always did well. Yeah, he was yeah, good that, at that. That makes me think of one more thing I'll just put up real quick because sure, yeah. Alan Moore handed over uh Swamp Thing to Rick Veach, who yeah. uh, another unfinished uh run because he uh sort of uh, had a controversial uh idea with like what um Swamp Thing meeting Jesus and and <laughs> was just sort of like no nah, we're, we're <laughs> it's all over now yeah that's that's too bad I have a lot of Veach Swamp Thing and yeah it's good stuff it is yeah man Ugh. I would have um, liked to have seen him do more yeah definitely I you know the Alan Moore stuff is on another level but I do really like I would have loved to have seen the Veach like well the the, the Swamp Thing. I would have loved for everyone to kind of go like, I okay, let's acknowledge that Alan Moore is great and he did these great things, but like, let's let it keep going. And it did for a while. Yeah. And that's an that that's an example of an unfinished run that I think is a little bit of a tragedy. Like, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that creator keep going. I, I wish nobody had stepped in his way. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with that. Um, all right, I'm going to try and wrap these up because we're almost to the end here. Uh, Comic Book Fever helping us out. Illuminati says, if we're talking about unfinished runs, is it too soon to mention Tom King's Batman and how glad I am that he got kicked off the book? Also happy oh. to be supporting you boy boys. Thank you, Illuminati. Mm, yeah, he gets to finish it. He has a whole yeah, new... He's, he's still finishing it. He's getting a whole book to do it. And it's going right. to be out of continuity, so he gets to do whatever he wants now. So it's actually unfettered Tom King. Uh, Comic Book Fever, two great creators working together. You guys are making teaching from home much more enjoyable good for you man teaching's a noble profession i'm glad you're doing it uh, well Josh i think he's implying like how every parent has to teach from home right oh, now. oh that's well good luck <laughs> joshua vaughn oh, uh, just yeah joshua joshua vaughn says just wanted to drop a couple books as a thank you to comic pop team also shout out to the ultraverse reference did frank joe ever really finish liberty meadows i think he did but i don't, I don't know, know if there was a conclusion to that there's a webcomic that he did. I, I kind of assume that's all part a of a print it. comic at Image. Yeah, yeah. I assume there's a there's a wrap up, but if not, I I'm mean, not so sure there is, Sal. Because I, I mean, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a comic strip because he was doing it in Image, and then Marvel uh, sort of hired him away to start doing a bunch of projects, and I, I don't know that he ever really got back to it. Mm. But I sort of feel like if he wants to, he can. I mean, that's his thing. It, yeah it was also a comic strip like a gag thing so i don't know that saying, you yeah. really have to have a conclusion to it right i don't i don't um, really consider liberty meadows to be like a actual like full like like i don't compare liberty meadows to like strangers in paradise you know uh, like another kind of slice of life like although there's no living cartoon characters in that universe but in any case <laughs> uh theodore what about the rick veach swamp thing run hopefully we covered that for you Meow Nian, uh, anyone mentioned Liefeld for late or unfinished? We didn't talk about Image United. Image United is on my list. <laughs> all I really have to say is like... Thank God. No, I mean, look, I think that Kirkman had a, had like a cool idea with the issues that he wrote. I'm in the bag for Kirkman. I, I'm biased there. So, so uh, take that all with a grain of salt. Right on, 
Wait, you say, uh, oh, uh, maybe you don't know, Sal. Like I, I was, uh, or still am, a proofreader for everything he writes from oh, like kidding. through all of Invincible and, and Walking Dead and everything. Oh, I'm so, sorry. I didn't do, I didn't, I'm I didn't high. get to that part of my research. I'm <laughs> Well then, John, well, then Robert Kirkman is an unmitigated genius, and I'm glad that to hear that his work was mentioned on the show. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> what I'm saying is that, that like, though, like, I, I think, like, are, are, if you're trying to figure out, like, why did Image United not get finished? It I mean, ain't his fault. Yeah, yeah, no, of course not. He wrote that. Like, um, Liefeld slow, and he lost interest, and it's as simple as that. <laughs> yes, simple as that. Exactly. Uh, uh is that one as big a tragedy it was a cool idea it was a cool idea to bring everybody back and have it like connect i do like the idea i'm not devastated that it didn't like finish up uh, th there's other things that i'd rather see uh and i don't mind that uh somebody like you know all the all the creators are busy with something else like i don't yeah. mind like th whatever they're working on instead is is just as interesting and cool Right. Well, and like, if you want to see Image United, just read Image from 92, 93. Like, it was all United back then. Like, you, there's a lot yeah. of references, a lot of characters interacting. Like, hell, read Mars Attacks Image if you want to see that. Because Mars Attacks Image is cool. They also, like, early on, like, somewhere, you know, was different uh, number for everybody. But somewhere around, like, the seventh or eighth issue in, they all uh, swapped titles. And all, mm. like, you know, wrote and drew one of each other's titles. So that yeah. was pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, we actually, I stole that idea when it was happening, like when it happened, you know, it was long after, but when I was in high school, I was the editor of a newspaper of the high school news, but not the editor, but I was an editor of one of the pages, the reviews page. And there was a like, kind of like fun, kind of like comedy page that was like in parallel to mine. And I was like, Hey, we should all, we should all do an, a, an April fool's issue where we all just get to edit each other's pages. And I completely yeah. stole that from that, <laughs> for that trope. That's funny. Um, Gabriel Jimenez helping us out uh, in a big, bad way. Thank you very much. Cornholio says, uh, thanks to both of you for showing me NFL Super Pro. Oh, I didn't realize you covered Super Pro too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too easy. Like that, so, some some stuff is low-hanging fruit. Uh, <laughs> NFL Super Pro, I mean, like, it's it's a pretty easy one to uh, have some fun with. Yep. Uh, Bernadette Ewerts says, uh, great show. Got me thinking about unfinished plot lines from creative teams changing books. Uh, the range of emotions. If you want to get unfinished, get great unfinished manga by Berserk. Um, everybody recommends Berserk to me. Yeah, I, I I don't know that that can necessarily be counted yet, just because uh, its creator Mura takes frequent extended hiatuses. So mm. this could just be a hiatus. Right. Uh, yeah, it's like saying the Game of Thrones is not is an unfinished run like you know he'll finish yeah it. exactly and, until like uh george r. r martin drops dead it's not necessarily unfinished yeah uh dead on time this collaboration is legendary stay safe during these crazy times you too dead on time yeah we're trying everybody's safe and healthy in your wash, family wash 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 your hands rub, rub 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 uh lucia dandy can we get some unfinished crossovers to the mix too like justice league power rangers crossover ended on a to be continued brainiac control by alpha five yeah that's fine <laughs> that doesn't need a continuation that's just kind of a fun little like ps i don't consider that an unfinished run so much as i consider it just kind of a silly joke definitely um, but that uh that jla avengers book that was like half drawn by perez is kind of unfinished because we never really got yeah. a story out of that you know yeah well 
no one ever gave uh, them the official go-ahead. That was a Jim Shooter thing. I should have included that in my uh, <laughs> recent episode where I was discussing him. Is uh, That was something a bunch of people wanted to do. And George Perez thought he had the go-ahead, but I don't know who draws that many pages without sort of like a written contract yeah. or, a or something. So it's sort of like... <laughs> I think it's just George anyway, Perez who just wanted George, it to happen. I think he thought did get a JLA Avengers that George Perez drew completely different. Completely yeah. different. Yeah, he he started like drawing like something crazy, like 30 pages or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a great again, Wizard, where Perez keeps an ongoing journal of the process of working on JLA Avengers. And there's like at least three points where he's like, Oh, they can't they can't agree. It looks like they're gonna cancel it. I told them I'd do xyz if they keep it going you know like just incredible uh his dedication to that project and it's an interesting I'm, story yeah i'm so glad he got to finish that before he retired um uh, what was it taylor petcher going back to ellis i would like to shout out this hell his hellblazer run and ended prematurely thanks to his whole dispute with the shoot issue i'm not familiar with the with the shoot issue of ellis's hellblazer I'm not either. So that gives me something to look up later. I can't know everything. Exactly. Uh, I'd love to read that. Stuff like that. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I like Hellblazer. Uh, I don't, I never got it, got to the point where I was reading Ellis's run. So no, I didn't even know Ellis wrote Hellblazer. So I'd totally read that. Uh, Ashton Woods for the uh, first time spending a super chat. Thanks for everything you guys do on the channels. Uh, got me through some tough times. I truly enjoy both your perspectives on comics and the industry overall. Thanks Ashton. Um, an artist, FKA Red, just stopping in to support you all for a little bit. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. I think we are caught up. Very nice. With everybody. So before, uh, you know, we, we get too long in the tooth, we want to thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being here. And yeah, it was staying for so long and hanging out with us. Um, we sh I, I, I would like to take this opportunity to say, we got to do this again sometime, man. <laughs> it was great having you. Um, sure. That sounds fun. And uh, but, uh, yeah, and definitely remember everybody that we will both be part of the at home Comic Con this Saturday, right? So, um, I'm sure that uh, Sal will put like links in here, or you could look us up on uh, uh Twitter as well. Yep. Uh, there's at home Comic Con is a Twitter handle where you can find more information, and it's a, also a YouTube channel at home yeah. Comic Con. We'll have panels streaming all day starting at um on the 18th, Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Yep. Uh, for the for the whole day and uh yeah i would hope to see all of you there you know just trying to provide a bunch of entertainment gonna have collaborations with some big names totally yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be like image united only unlike it it will finish up uh that's right whether you want it to or not uh what time is your you're on the academia panel do you know what time yours is Oh, I should, but I don't. <laughs> well, listen, if you go to At Home Comic Con, I think there's a there's actually a Ross, a rundown of everything that you uh like the panel breakdown. But it's a great way to spend a day. You can wander yeah. through the whole thing and, and hang out with everybody and you're gonna see everybody. It's gonna be great. I'm looking forward it to it. Be great. So long everybody, thanks a lot, and uh thank you, Chris, for being here. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Yeah.